Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Do you spend most of your time worrying about being left, rejected, or given up on? Are you worried that people in your life are always going to leave? The fear of abandonment is extremely common in those of us who've been abused, and I want to share with you how you can let go of your fears and finally have the relationships you want. Head on over to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash abandonment and download my free audio guidebook that's going to help you learn how to overcome your fear of abandonment. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant. For those of you who don't yet know me, I have been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007 and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them let go of the pain of abuse and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. 
Now, I'm very excited to have here with me my guests, Jerry Henderson and Sian Emerton, who have been sharing with us about their intriguing work co-authoring their book, Healing Incest. Intimate Conversations with My Therapist, which, by the way, was just selected as a Book of the Year Award finalist for 2016 in the psychology category. So congrats to them. That's very cool. Now, I want to tell you a little bit more about my guest before we get started today. Jerry has a Ph.D. and considers herself first and foremost a teacher and mentor, but loves her roles as sister, aunt, and friend. Jerry is taught in the U.S., but mostly overseas. Her interests include a passion for music, which she studied and taught for 30 years before beginning her second professional career in higher education. She's currently teaching literature and writing on the island of Okinawa for the University of Maryland University College. Sian Larson Emerton, LMFT, has been in private practice for over 25 years and is the owner of a group counseling practice and EAP called Family Resources of Greater Nebraska. She enjoys her work as a marriage and family therapist and a strategic life coach. She especially appreciates the power of working with systems, whether family or organizational, using emotional intelligence, assessment, and coaching. She enjoys yoga, music, travel, and time with her sons and families in Boston and Denver. She and her husband, Tom, live on the land with her great-great-grandfather actually homesteaded, so family really is her greatest joy. And it's a real treat to have both of these gals with us today, so let's welcome them. Hi there. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi. So, uh, you know, I first found out about you all when um, your um, book marketing person reached out and said, hey, you need to check these gals out and see what they're up to. And when I read more about your book, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is really unique and very different and something that I haven't seen done before. So I'd love um, to, first of all, just hear from you, how did this idea of approaching writing your story and sharing your experience in this way um, even come about? Uh, I, this is Jerry, and I will take the the beginning of that question. Um, I'm the one who had the idea. Um, because I am a writing teacher and have done a fair amount of writing, I thought, it was probably a good match for me, but um, convincing Cianne that it was a good match for her was a bit more difficult because she had the usual professional concerns about uh, being open about what went on in our sessions and uh, the the confidentiality oath that they all take. So uh, I had the idea many years ago before we actually did start work and the work morphed over time from my original idea to what it is now. Nice. Yeah. So there was something about really telling your story, Jerry, that felt really important for you as a survivor and um, as a writer, it sounds like as well. Yes. I think um, as I explain in the first chapter, where we delve into that topic uh, right away, uh, I think that what I kept 
feeling was, what if I had had such a book? What if mm. I could have read something like this? Um, that somebody was open and explored the process, and I could have learned about it, about at least about somebody else's process. Mm. How helpful that would have been. So yeah. that was the motivating, um, really the motivating energy behind my decision to do this. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. And, Sienna, I totally can understand from your perspective as um, this is one of the reasons why I didn't go into therapy because I knew I would break all the rules and probably end up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really appreciate, you know, the kind of the, the line that you're trying to toe there. And, um, you know, how did you come to the decision that, you know what, this is worth it and, you know, I can do this in a way that has integrity and stays in line with those sorts of things, but uh, what what swayed you in the end? Well, it, it was quite a process, as Jerry will attest to. I I was very resistant. In fact, when we first uh, began even the, the brainstorming around this idea, I thought to myself, well, it would be a good journaling experience for Jerry. Nothing will ever come of it. I'll just mm-hmm. sort of play along and say, okay, you know, you start writing and I'll dialogue back. And uh, she was no longer my client, for one thing. Uh, it had. We started the book, um, I believe, wasn't it, Jerry, po- five years post-therapy? Yes, uh, at least yeah. that. But she was no longer my client, which was a good thing, because in our profession we can't have dual relationships. But we also started uh, writing with the idea of using pseudonyms. And that was very freeing, you know. It was kind of an exercise just in expressing what that process had been like. And then um, as we talked more and more about it, we realized that how can we write a book about being open and transparent and honest if we aren't even using our real name? Mm-hmm. And so then it, it was a struggle of, okay, that that had a lot of implications. And yeah. uh so, of course, I consulted attorneys. I consulted uh, professionals in my field. We had uh, the, the correct uh, waves of, waivers of confidentiality drawn up and signed. Um, and so we, we crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, but even with that, uh, it's still, you know, it's very, it feels very wrong to talk about a client relationship. And so... I'm um, I'm really glad we did this, but I'm still getting used to the idea that we actually did do it. <laughs> are you still a little bit in shock, are you? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, clearly it's being um, well-received um, in the reading community, at the very least. What are you noticing about your colleagues or other professionals? Any Anything you've uh, heard back from them? Uh, yes. Now, it's interesting. I've only gotten positive feedback. I'm sure that you know, won't always be the case. Uh, I'm rather surprised, actually, that it's been positive so far uh, because Mm -hmm. it's rather controversial, as we know. Um, This is a topic that, number one, isn't talked about openly, um, which is part of the problem with it. Right. Um, And, and of course, it's it's a taboo to talk about a a client relationship. And so um, I'm pleased that so far there has been good feedback. And, of course, Ultimately, the reason I chose to do it is that we do want to help people talk about it. And um, so that's that's the driving force. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. And, um, Jerry, tell me a little bit more about 
um, about your story as a survivor and and why when it came to I want to because a lot of people a lot of survivors tell their stories and I myself included um, but what was it about wanting to include the excerpts and maybe give a little bit of framework for our audience uh, like what is this book all about like what exactly is does it mean to have you know parts there from you and parts there from CN? Well, I told Cianne that I was not really interested in in telling my story as a um, um, autobiographical account from just my side. Um, I said that I wouldn't write the book without her Mm. um, because I felt that it would have a, a different kind of value for audiences if they could hear from both of us and um, as I have been um, editing the audit, audible tape, um, or rather the digital recording, I have heard the again the times when we've disagreed, mm-hmm. and th- those are important to me because it validates the honesty that we tried to preserve, and mm-hmm. that we we wanted to. To demonstrate um, between us, in the course of writing the book, we learned a lot of things about each other's thought processes that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we we mm-hmm. we didn't. I didn't know what she was thinking, and I was kind of surprised and and not always happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you give us an example of that? Um, when she wrote something about uh, my uh, ability to manipulate no. a situation, I can remember an exact situation that was just pretty awful, and I, I describe it within the first two chapters of the of the book. It was when she orchestrated a meeting with my mother, and mm-hmm. um, I absolutely hated that. It's still difficult to talk about because I was so concerned for my mother. And uh, I didn't, you know, even afterwards, knowing how much it was um, helpful to both of us, you know, how much it helped and how how valuable it was, it was still hard for me to, to believe that something that painful could, could really have a good positive result. Mm-hmm. So um, she wrote about the pushback that I gave her. Mm-hmm. on her suggestion. Um, it wasn't always pleasant to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear uh-huh. you on that. And, you know, Sienna, I get really curious as, um, you know, somebody on, in, in many ways it's like you are really pulling back the curtain and, you know, yeah. revealing the thought processes from a therapist's point of view um, right. that we, yeah, we don't often see, we don't often hear that perspective. I mean, we can go through, you know, 20 years of therapy with someone and never know really <laughs> what, what are they thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, so I, you know, I guess the, the rebel in me or the, the curious person in me goes, well, you know, is that something that you um, are advocating in some ways or encouraging um, both therapists and um, people who are in care, receiving care to maybe be open to or to explore? Well, I think you have to be very careful about that, Rachel, as as you would know. Uh, 
I certainly would not have done that during the course of treatment with Jerry. Uh, she mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to, uh, it would not have been productive or therapeutic in any way. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have handled it well, I don't think. Do you, Jerry? If I didn't. <laughs> She's not handling it well after therapy, so I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I just don't think that would have been advisable. And so it's a really. It's very rare to be able to do this. I've never done this with any other client all these years, certainly. Um, I, you know, I suppose there could be a time, Rachel, you, po- you pose an interesting question. Uh, it would have to be uh, clinically significant to do that. There would have to be a reason to do that. I think, I think most often a therapist has to be very careful about that, actually. Yeah. You know, what I love about this is there's such a vulnerability um, from both of you in this journey. First of all, the vulnerability of, you know, Jerry asking um, UCN to even go, on, you know, on to this journey with her. And um, and then to, to for both of you to be able to open up yourselves in this kind of a way. What do you imagine is, um, you know, because you have these two perspectives included in this one book, um, you know, what has that added to your story, or, or how, did, how has that made this book really unique and different from what you see out there? Cool. Well, Jerry, do you want to take that first? Or you... Well, I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I, um, I knew that it was unique, which is why I really pushed for that. And as I say, the book would not be there without it. Uh, so, but I am not the I am not the therapist and I'm not the psychologist, so I don't know all the literature that's out there. But I've read a fair share of autobiographies, and I knew that from my perspective, if I told the story without her perspective, it would be a very different story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it for me, it would be similar to many that I've read. And there's no point in retelling that. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there have been writers who have done a really good job of that and have, um, you know, have it explained in more detail than I did mm-hmm. what actually happens. But uh, for me, it was that uh, that perspective was a balance that would give people a real insight into the value of therapy mm-hmm. and also give therapists a, a look into someone else's process. Mm-hmm. So I could see value in it for both clients and therapists. Right. But Cian, you should probably answer that from your side and what you've read in the literature. Well, I guess uh, I... I, too, wish I could have had a a book similar to this when I began my practice working with uh, childhood sexual abuse Mm -hmm. survivors um, because I was very – I had to learn a lot the hard way. I had excellent training, I feel, through through actually Philadelphia Child Guidance Center in Family Systems. That's where I'm rooted. Um, And I I approach – I still tend to approach – presenting problems, whether the whole family is there or not, from a family systemic point of view, a structural sure. family point of view. Um, but I, until you're actually in the process of doing therapy, you know, there's a lot you have to learn on the job, so to speak. And uh, clients continue to teach me to this day. 
But had I read something like this, I think I would have been a bit more prepared mm-hmm. or maybe scared, and I don't know if that would have been helpful <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, because there's always more than you know, you, but you really have to trust yourself and and uh, and appreciate the complexity. And I, I was... Uh, I have passion for this project in part because I think the art of therapy goes unappreciated, and yeah. it is an art. It's it's a science certainly, and we we utilize evidence based methods all the time. But but it's an art, and there's just as much intuition involved as not. Mm-hmm. And I I hope the book gives uh, a window in to uh, the the art of doing therapy and and the need for uh, the need for therapists self-care uh, as one does the work because it's very easy if you aren't doing your own work uh, to let your own stuff get in the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I also hope the, bo- the book speaks to that on some level. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's a really exciting thing to um, imagine um, this becoming a textbook <laughs> in um, in uh, in those in for therapists and for other people who are wanting to work with survivors, even, you know, nonprofit organizations, these sorts of things. Uh, you know, because one of the things that I certainly have become more and more aware of through my own journey of healing and having been working with survivors for almost 10 years now is there is um, such a lack of quality in education in really working with this particular issue. Um, yeah. So, you know, I research curriculums and over and over again, I'm astonished that abuse curriculum is like one Saturday class, and that's all abuse, right? You know, um, or it's a very small part of the overall training, and it's terrifying. It's terrifying to me. (laughs) Absolutely, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. agree. So even if therapists who, you know, don't get it through curriculum can access this book and can learn from that, and, you know, even survivors who are in the process of therapy understanding you know the that process and what it really looks like and feels like. So many very cool things. Are there are there other things that you're hoping that you know uh, maybe for Jerry? You know that that in sharing your story this way, is there a hope that you have that the legacy of these stories will will be? Well, I guess uh, the thing that I would hope is that it becomes a, a way that opens doors for people to talk. And I've already seen that in, um, I have in the the Facebook group that I have, but I also, uh, just among uh, the hundreds of, of students, former students and so on, I have had them reach out to me in private messages and say, you know, I'm concerned about my daughter. I'm concerned about my mother. I mm-hmm. We haven't talked, but I'm going to send her this book so we can talk. That's the kind of thing that I think has, uh, you know, value beyond just the story. Mm-hmm. And I think the willingness of two people to use their names and to to say their truth as they currently know it or knew it um, gives people the the okay to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I mean. It's all about having the conversation, Rachel, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's what your work is about. It's what this show is about. It's just increasing awareness and understanding and hopefully helping people have the courage to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It is. It's an important topic. I mean, we, we've seen such an evolution over the last 10, 15 years, um, and yet there is so much more work to do. And certainly, you know, your book is a contribution to that in many, many ways. I'm curious because I can only imagine, how long did you all spend, you know, once the idea, once you convinced, you know, you twisted her arm enough and you got her on board um, (laughs) and you said, all right, we're going to sit down, we're going to write this thing. And, you know, having gone through the book publishing process myself, it can be, you know, edits after edits. But how long were you together working through this process up until the publishing date? I'm, I'm curious about that. Well, we weren't actually together for quite a bit of it. We used mm. uh, Skype and Google Docs. Um, and uh, Google Docs was great, I have to say, because we could see each other's edits as we wrote. Mm-hmm. And um, while we were on Skype, we could discuss it. So we talked through the writing process, and there were rare times that we wrote uh, separately, mm-hmm. um, we we spent a lot of time together, either silently writing or discussing what we had written. So virtually together, yeah, right, yeah. We spent time hours actually on on Saturdays just sitting together, discussing yeah. what was next, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what was the next part of what we wanted to do, and then when I was overseas, we spent hours on Skype and Google Docs doing the same. So, yeah. yeah. And it I was, think over it, it was well go ahead, I'm sorry, Sherry. Oh no, I was just going to say so it was quite a process, actually much more complicated than I had known. <laughs> it would <laughs> yeah. be. I think if any author knew what they were getting into, they would never oh. write a book. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I second that. And I think it was a period of, if I remember right, um, it took a long time, like, I want to say seven years total, Jerry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because Uh I think it was, we started the book five years after she was a client, and then I was so reluctant that um, we didn't do much the first couple years. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it was, it was a long project. Um, Got it. Mm -hmm. And it's a short book, relatively speaking. Well, yeah. yeah, but really it sounds like you were very intentional and very thoughtful about what to include. I mean, given the years that you spent together in therapy, I'm sure there was a lot to draw on, but deciding, you know, what you were going to really include and focus in on. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine, you know, going on a journey like that as individually and, and together. Um, it sounds like you've really developed a, a, a really close bond and friendship. But how has this journey, how has this process changed each of you? Oh. Jerry, you want to go first? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I want to hear what you say first. <laughs> that's what I was afraid of, yes. Well, uh, you know, that's a good question, Rachel, and I, I don't think I can totally identify the ways it has changed me, but I know it's had a profound impact on my life personally as well as professionally. I told Jerry that it's one of the most rewarding uh, things I've done in my life to write this book. And at the same time, I would never do it again. I mean, <laughs> it, it, um, uh, there's a lot I didn't do because I wrote this book. Um, it put a lot of my personal life on hold during, I mean, not seven years' worth, but 
there's a lot of things that didn't happen because we were writing this book. There was a lot of uh, emotional anguish involved. Um, it certainly did deepen our uh, friendship, and luckily our friendship has sustained through the project. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, I am, uh, I'm tired. I'm weary as a result of having written this book. I, I hate mm-hmm. to say I'm also, I also celebrate that it's written. Uh, but I, I feel as if it was birthing and raising a child, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. understandable, totally. How about for you, Jerry? Well, uh, you know, the thing that has changed for me that is probably more, most obvious is that I am much freer and open, more open than I was before, and and willing to have conversations with people about their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It has opened those kinds of doors, but it has also freed me from, you know, the big secret. And, uh, you know, once it, once it's on Facebook for several hundred people, well, the feathers are in the wind. That's it. Yeah. You do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. gather that secret back to yourself and hold it close ever again. Right. And so that, yeah, that has made, and it has been uh, a great experience in knowing that not one person has done what I thought they would do, of course, mm-hmm. in my mind, run mm-hmm. screaming away and say, you know, you're too nuts for us. Right. So that has been a, a wonderful experience in that regard. But uh, a collaborative book, to write, I wouldn't do that again. Uh, there's other writing I can do that is much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, kudos I, to both of you for... Oh, oh Sian, did you want to say something there? I, I Just quickly, excuse me, but I, I do want to say on a positive note, it has been... I'm not typically a risk-taker type mm-hmm. person. I mean, I'm not exactly bold, in my opinion. And uh, this has required me to be bold, and it's it's because we believe in in the mission of this book so much that we are bold uh, in telling this story. But it has also made me then stand up for what I really believe in professionally. And Mm -hmm. it's been good for me to take a stand and to be bold. I am actually very grateful for that. It has changed me in that way. That's really beautiful. Thank you for that. And how how exciting because in, in your courageous act, I'm positive you are bringing healing and hope to so many people and mm-hmm. there's no nothing better than that so yes, we hope so. <laughs> so kudos to both of you for for going on that adventure overcoming your own fears frustrations hang-ups obstacles all of that to find your way here so what's next for you uh is this going to become a part of your your process Ian? after you end with clients are you gonna <laughs> sit down and do some yeah. Debriefing, or uh, what, where are you heading these days? What are you most hopeful for in your practice and your work? Well, actually, uh, these days I'm I'm focused a bit differently in my professional career. Um, I think it's because I treated sexual abuse for so long. I it's not an area that I'm currently interested in treating anymore. Um, I have. I have a lot of other therapists in my practice that are highly skilled in this, and I try to pass on uh, what my experience has been. 
but I'm I'm moving forward more into the coaching role actually, Rachel. Awesome. Um, Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very nice. And how about for you, Jerry? Well, I will continue to uh teach um probably until I draw my last breath. I really don't know how to do anything else and or to I don't I can't imagine anything that I enjoy more. Mm-hmm. But I also uh, and always want to make time for writing. I don't think that uh anything quite as autobiographical will be a part of what I do. Although the blog is that I have healing incest is really um uh very personal and written very much in the style of the book and and talks about uh therapy that I continue to pursue uh for greater healing in some areas that well I basically ran away and overseas <laughs> before <laughs> I could deal with those things. And that was lovely yeah. for a time to have a nice break. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um uh so the blog is is autobiographical, but I don't think it will be necessary for me to write another book about that topic. Mm-hmm. Um I enjoy writing about education and writing about uh, students and and methods and and uh, te- technologies and uh, new innovations in education. So I can see my writing continuing for a great long time. Awesome. That's exciting. Very cool. And yeah. we have more to, more to come from both of you, I'm sure. And I'm very, very happy to have had the opportunity today to connect with both of you. You're such amazing women and just so inspiring and so cool. And it's been a real honor to have you on as my guest today. Um, any final thoughts as we start to wrap up today? I just want to say that I'm, I'm a... The proceeds of the book on my part are, are going to rain, and both Gary and I support that organization. Awesome. Um, and I encourage people to connect with their resources, uh, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, so that's we we do a plug for Rain Rape Abuse Incest National Network in our book. And Jerry, do you want to speak real briefly about the cover of the book because I find that uh, symbolic. Yes, uh, the cover of the book is actually Japanese art, kintsukuroi. And uh, we had a friend do that vase for the cover um, based on the meaning of Kintsukuroi. And uh, it was given, the idea was given to us by another therapist who said, this is, she didn't mean it for the cover. She just showed it as a demonstration of what can happen when someone who is, is cracked like mm-hmm. that vase, is mended with gold. And right. the Japanese uh, idea is that it becomes even more beautiful for the mending. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's so true. Um, so for those of you who are out there listening, um, you know, know that the experiences you've had that have caused some cracks can A, be mended, and B, yeah. be made beautiful. And <laughs> Um, through support and resources and guidance, um, you can find your way there for sure. Absolutely. 
Awesome. So thank you both. And for everybody listening, um, remember that you can reach um, Sian or Jerry at healingincest at gmail.com. And you can learn more about them at healingincest.squarespace.com. And go check out their book, Healing Incest, Intimate Conversations with My Therapist. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on Amazon and all the major um, outlets there. And I want to thank you all for just tuning in and joining us today. And don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources that are available there on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we have so much more to share with you. So until next time, take good care of you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.